Hi, I'm David Archuleta, and I am today's Man of the Hour. Let's get a closer look into David's life as a singer-songwriter, talk about how music can really change your life for the better, and also find out how we too can turn our passion from a hobby into a career. You were 16 when you had your, your name became a household name in majority of America, if not all of America, and worldwide, right, from your season of American Idol. If you had to give us a recap on the extraordinary career you've had since then to now, all the ups, the downs, the good, the bad, and the ugly, what does all that look like from your perspective now? Well, I'd say it's been a pretty interesting ride. I, I, I feel like most of it I've felt kind of just all over the place, like almost like lost <laughs> with like what everything's going on because I wasn't expecting it all to happen. But I feel very grateful as well. It's just uh, I feel like I've I've been blessed even though I didn't know why and I didn't feel like I deserved it. But I'm I'm grateful for it and I've tried to learn how to appreciate whatever has been given to me so that I can make the most of it. Which is something I know we could all be so overwhelmed with at 16, too. I mean, we were all 16-year-olds at one point, if not (laughs) almost 16 for those who are teenagers still. (laughs) You know, David, let's talk numbers here. So 2008, American Idol with over 30 million eyes on you and your television episode with 44 million votes. You know, and then shortly after here, I'm not done yet. Those are just the first couple numbers. (laughs) You, You came out with your single crush that, you know, aired as number two on Billboard Hot 100 charts. And then, you know, the track itself had 166,000 downloads in the first week just in the U.S. And then three months later, your next album went gold, not silver, not anything else, gold. And you sold over 750,000 U.S. copies and more than 900,000 worldwide. I don't like math, but that's a lot, you know? (laughs) And that was at such a young age. So when you have to think about how much has happened. I mean, your name blew up again at at 16 and your early years before you were even 20 years old, you know, so what were your thoughts then? And then did you ever think it would have happened so fast? No, I I had no idea it was going to happen all so fast. I thought I was going to finish high school. Then I was going to like go to college and then figure out what I was going to do. And so I, a part of me was kind of panicking. I was like, shoot, like I didn't realize I was going to, be liked on the show so much and then like have a recording contract and stuff. And I'm, I was like, I didn't think I was going to peak in life while I was still a teenager. I have a lot more of life to live. Like, what am I going to do now? <laughs> I feel like I just felt pressure. Like I wanted to do well. I just didn't know how to, cause I didn't know how I was getting the success I was getting then. Cause I wasn't really trying to get it. So I was just like, okay, what do I do? <laughs> but, um, I, I felt like I just had to take the rest of the time after American Idol and the year that followed to catch up because suddenly I had a fan base and I had, um, I was recording songs and meeting, going to all these events and suddenly was associating with people that I, I listened to their music and now they knew who I was and were talking to me and it was just like, wow, this is just, this is crazy. <laughs> it's a really crazy time, but I, yeah, I look back and I'm, you know, a part of me still is like, well, how, you know, what am I supposed to do now? Like, I, 
I have, like I said, I had no idea what I was doing, so I don't know how it happened and how to repeat it. But um, I guess what I can do now is just tell my stories in the songs that I write now and keep performing and just share whatever I'm learning. And it seems like that's what seems to connect the most with people. And that's, you know, singing what meant most to me on American Idol is what I guess connected with people and what got them to support and become fans. So I, I guess I'm just like, you know, what? I guess I have to keep doing that. And for a while I was like, well, do I need to be cool now? Because now I have a fan base and, and popular, like, what do I need to do to be cool? And I, I tried to figure, tried that for a while, but it just didn't, it just didn't vibe well with me and it didn't gel. So I was just like, well, I'll just keep being myself, even though I, I feel kind of like a loser sometimes, but yeah, I feel like that's what's, it's worked so far for the last 10 years. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to keep doing that. A decade, a decade later, David, you know, you're still such a cool cat, right? You mentioned being like a loser when trying to fit in with other <laughs> cool people. Cat. And I would only imagine that you could, you would only feel like a loser trying to fit into somebody else's bubble, you know, right. especially as a singer songwriter, someone who owns, who, who owns what they create, produce, and ultimately sing and are the face of, and that's anybody in the creative business, right? You, people look at you and they're, whoa, that's David Archuleta. And you're, you're in Nashville now, right? My, my home state of Tennessee. And everybody's talking about, whoa, that's David. Did you see that? <laughs> Even in your car, right? You're probably driving now and not seeing people as much in person, at least. And, and people are still able to notice you. And that's something that you really have to live up to. But if you had to give us you know, one major high and one major low over the past decade, what would you say those two things are? Major high, I, well, I guess I'm, I'm, for me, I just am proud to look back and say like, you know, I've grown just as an individual. Uh, it's honestly, it's been hard. It's been a challenge for me to focus on career and success on terms of volume, but I, it's really, I feel a lot of accomplishment when I can look back and say, you know what, I can talk to people now, you know, when I was 16, 17, that was really hard for me and how to carry a converse, hold a conversation with people and not hide in the corner. I used to have a camera phobia before all this happened and all my friends in high school knew I had a camera phobia. Well, I had to get over that really fast. So I, I, I look at that. I'm like, you know what, by going through hard things like American Idol, I, you know, American Idol is the hardest thing I've, I've done in my life. Um, but it, because I got through it, I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm able to do things that were harder than, than I thought I was capable of doing. Like I told myself, these are my limits. I can't do any more than this, but I've been constantly challenged to push those limits. And, uh, it's, you know, and, the, and at the time of that I'm pushing past the limits, I feel miserable, but I, I'm like, okay, I, I survived. So that's, that's good. I didn't think I would, but so I guess that just that I've exceeded my own expectations of myself. A low, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, to be honest, it was, I, I guess American Idol was like the high and the low because it was so out of my comfort zone and that something I wasn't used to doing going out of my comfort zone and being in front of people and having attention that was really hard for me and I was like man I I was kind of like well I don't mind if, if this is my last week on the show I wouldn't mind that <laughs> because this is a lot of pressure and a lot of a lot more work than just what you see on the camera each week 
and there's a lot of gossip that I was learning how to deal with. And a lot of, you know, my family was dealing with, with, uh, gossip and TMZ and paparazzi and, and, um, having to like deal with all that stuff. I was just like, what is this? Like, I didn't think my life would be so dramatic. I didn't, you know, that there'd be gossip and stuff, but, um, it, uh, I guess that was, it was the hardest part for me and my family just dealing with all that. But, um, yeah, it's like interesting how good and bad can come from, the best and the worst in life can come from the same experiences. Yeah. And something as big as an American idol experience is, you know, that's, that's a story for the books and all, because you don't really expect so much to come out of it, you know, learning lesson wise too. But then when you're thinking about your teenage years, more particular here, I mean, you were 16, that, that number's not leaving my head anytime in this conversation, because at the end <laughs> of the day, that is a young age. And, and the, the numbers are only getting lower nowadays when we're discovering new talent, you know, in the entertainment business for young <laughs> TikTok, right? Millions of people are looking at them. And those people certainly probably aren't as camera shy, but that's probably something they may have had to get over. But David, when you're looking back at your teenage years and, you know, thinking, of what you would tell yourself as a teenager to those men and you know those young men and women now who are who might be going through something similar, whether it be a hardship on something as big as American Idol or just having something as small as a you know phobia against cameras. What would you tell them? <laughs> well, I would I would say, you know, don't always. It's hard to do this, but you know, challenge yourself to not always listen to your own thoughts of what you're capable of and what your own limits are. I'm, I mean, maybe some people it's, they have the opposite problem, but, um, where it's like they, maybe they don't put enough limits and go too far. But, um, for me, I just, um, I, I struggled with a lot of my confidence in myself and self-esteem. So I was constantly putting walls up cause I thought I need to protect myself. I need to guard myself from things that I can't, can't do. I'm going to, I'm going to get overwhelmed and just explode. But, um, you know, it's okay to be uncomfortable and that's something I've had to learn. And so that's how I would say, uh, sometimes you need to just try something. Even if you think you're going to fail at it, you need to just go for it. I went, I didn't, I almost didn't go audition for American Idol because I thought I was gonna, I was like, what's the point? Cause I had, I had a paralyzed vocal cord too that I'd been diagnosed with at 13 and was still going through therapy up to that point for a few years at the age of 16. So I thought, what's the point of entering a song singing competition if I can't sing? Like I can sing one, like up to two or three songs and then that's it. Like my voice is gone. So I was like, how can I be a singer with only one vocal cord? This doesn't make sense. I mean, one functioning one, but, um, and so you know, just, but if I didn't go for something, even though I, like, you might surprise yourself, basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think that people can always admire you even more when you just try for trying. There's something to be said about that. In today's time, it's not enough to just think you want to do something, to talk about what you want to do. But if you're trying to put all that, th all of those things in action, you know, it, the action is actually what matters. And, and for you to even step on the American Idol stage, even a decade ago, you know, that was something you going out of a comfort zone. And so, no, I appreciate all that. 
your latest single, David, and the title of your 2021 tour, which we'll get to uh, in, in just a few minutes, you know, is entitled Okay, All Right. Very simple. And you just mentioned sometimes it is okay to come out of your comfort zone. It is okay to feel a little bit overwhelmed, right? On a big stage <laughs> in front of that millions of people, everybody's got their eyes on you. But, yeah. you know, there's something where you, you also have an entire album backing that one song, Okay, All Right, which I listened to. I felt as soon as the chords played, as soon as your vocals came on the track, you know, I think a lot of people could use this, but I want to talk about your Therapy Sessions album that you had released with this song. Um, as someone who has been through therapy and openly talks about it, which we thank you so much for, you even say here, quote, the songs are sort of back and forth within the inner dialogue I have with myself. So tell us a little bit more about what you meant by that. Yeah, so, so I've, I've been going to therapy for a few years now on and off, but the, the main reason I go is because I feel like I have a lot of battles in my own head with um, a lot of negativity and just a lot of self-deprecation. And um, so I, it's like, it was hard because I wanted to be a happy person and I wanted to be positive. I, I like those things, you know, I, I'm drawn to that kind of stuff, but at the same time inside of my own mind, I felt so negative, especially towards myself. And that I always was dealing like every day, you know, I'd wake up and I still do. I mean, this, this morning too, but uh, you know, you wake up and it's just like, I'm not going to accomplish anything. I'm a failure. There's no even, it's no even, there's no use to even trying today because I'm already a failure. I'm, I'm a nobody. And it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm too stupid to do things. I'm too stupid to even make my own decisions. I, you know, I was, and just constantly dealing with those kinds of thoughts. And um, I thought, you know, I need to change my way of thinking. I just need to think more positively. And, you know, I tried that for a while and it just wasn't working. It was, so it's like this war was going on in my head, just back and forth where, and where I was trying to tell myself, it's fine. I'm fine. You know, I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's going to be all right. And, but at the same time, as I'm telling myself that all these thoughts are just like in a tornado in my mind. And so I, I started going to therapy because it was inhibiting a lot of my growth and my decisions in my work, in my personal life and my relationships and friendships. And I was like, why do I keep doing this? Like, why do I keep sabotaging, sabotaging myself? And so I started going to therapy and it was really helpful. And one of the things that I learned in therapy was how I hadn't dealt with anger in a healthy way. I was either like locked it up or it would, it would build up while I was locked away and it just explode. And so, <laughs> um, that wouldn't be very good when I was under a lot of stress cause then I would explode and, um, another side of day would come out. But, um, so it helped me. I, I did a really cool, it was called a smashing therapy session where I'd smash things to help channel, give that anger a channel to get released. And I felt guilty doing it. And I, I stopped and my therapist was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I just feel guilty. Like I feel bad being angry. This is not something I'm used to. I thought anger was not a good thing for, and she just said, well, have you heard anybody? Have you called anyone names? I'm like, no, but I'm, aren't I sending bad energy out? And she was like, well, look, I, I like bought things from Goodwill. So I had like vases and a microwave and all this stuff that I'd smashed. And she said, all of this that you had, this energy that you put into smashing this stuff was inside of you. 
and think of what could have been if you kept this inside. Like think about what it's already been doing because you've kept it inside. You know, it's but now it's out here. You've given it somewhere to go. And you know, it's gonna be a process, but you need to give healthy channels like exercising, physical activity or smashing things or writing songs. And so writing these songs was a channel for me to release a lot of my self-sabotage that I was keeping inside in, you know, letting it eat at myself. It was good to just put it on paper and then to music uh, on this album. The episode you're listening to right now is proudly supported by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers professionally engineered tools for your family jewels, and we all know that in order to be the best version of yourself, you gotta be sure you're well-groomed all around. I gotta say, trimming anything around my family jewels definitely had me nervous my whole life, but now I don't even have to worry. The Manscaped engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the great ball hair trimmer ever created and released the new and improved Lawnmower 3. 3.0. This is premium, my friends. The battery lasts up to 90 minutes, so you can take as long as you need. And if you're like me, you'll need all the time you can get. You can even use this trimmer in the shower. And one of the coolest features is its LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Plus, the charging stand makes it so easy to have ready wherever you need, especially for those last-minute dates that I know you just booked and need to go get ready for. I have no doubt you'll enjoy this just as much as I do, so be sure to get 20% off and free shipping with the code MOTH20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the code MOTH20. Your balls and your partner will thank you later. Now let's get back to the episode. And I was going to say, and thank you for sharing all that, first of all. Uh, you know, secondly, therapy sessions, you can only imagine as someone who's looking at Spotify account, looking at a Spotify account, rather, seeing the title there and then looking at every individual song, I could only imagine how much thought, energy, and time you would have put into each song. So aside from, okay, all right, because we'll get to that, you know, where was your thoughts in creating and uh, well, conceptualizing and creating each of these songs on the track? The process, I mean, it was kind of like the songwriting rooms with the writers were their own therapy sessions, like therapy rooms. Because <laughs> you, before you start talking and writing a song, like you just start, we all start talking about life and what's like, I'd basically just tell them what I'd been learning about myself in therapy. And that's what, then they would turn into lyrics into the songs and it's like, ta-da, there they are. Um, so things like learning how to be more patient cause I'm very impatient or where I'm like trying to like, a lot of these are just the battle of trying to think positively and keep myself moving forward. And then the battle of the negativity that keeps trying to put me down and I get so discouraged by it and exhausted that I just give up. And so a lot of these songs were the frustration about that, that I'm like, I'm tired of being tired. <laughs> I'm tired of being like wearing myself out by my own thinking. Like it's not even, I'm not even, I'm not like lifting a bunch of weights or anything. I'm not like, I'm just by myself and, and the being alone with my own thoughts in unhealthy environments is what's causing me to give up on things before I even try so, um, yeah, so I, I put a lot of that into these songs, just like, 
I think I just needed an opportunity to say, you know, I'm not perfect and I don't know how to, I don't even know how to be better, <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm, and that's what I'm going to write about. And just doing that gave me a lot of just freedom to say, you know, okay, I don't have to be perfect. And it's nice to show people my imperfections. It's just nice. And it gives, and to also give other people a right that they can be imperfect and have their negative thoughts. And I guess also I wanted to show people on this album, like, Hey, you can, you can have crummy days and feel negative and feel discouraged and not even have a battle where you, you can't even get out of bed some days, but you can still be happy. And I guess that's what I'm like, huh? I can just be happy even being like miserably negative towards myself. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I guess, you know, I've, I can look back and say, I may not have won every day against my own thoughts and my own anxieties and feeling down and hard on myself. Um, I, but you win some days and you lose some and you can always try again then tomorrow. You can always wake up and to be honest, it may not be a good day tomorrow, like with your, your attitude and the way you're feeling, but you know what you can, there's the next day that you, there's always a hope to say, you know what, I'm going to try and see what I can do differently. Maybe I can go, this day was crummy. Maybe I can go on a walk tomorrow and clear my head and I'll feel better. That's, that helps for me, actually. I, I go on a lot of walks, especially during quarantine. I've gone a lot, a lot of walks. Yeah, I think a lot of us have been going on walks too, <laughs> in a good way, right? A lot of people can clear their head when they're walking. I do it when I'm running and I know a lot of other people do it when sitting down. So, I, you know, and that's to your point about just sometimes it's okay to not have a great day but there's always a happy ending out of it some way, somehow. And I think your album will provide that for a lot of people. So if you all are listening to this, you know, you can find therapy sessions on Spotify and anywhere else you find music. Um, and the lead song, of course, is OK, All Right, which I will get to right now, actually, David. Where, I mean, we watched the music video. It's phenomenal. The way that the production was, was a clear depiction of what could have been going on in your head, not only writing the song, but when singing it. I watched you and you were like getting your thumb was going up and you know, you're like, God, I guess this is all right. And I guess I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. But that's something people tell themselves, David, people do tell themselves I'm okay. I'm guilty of it every single day. Yeah, I'm all right. No worries. I always say no worries and okay. I might mean it, but for you when writing this song and especially now when people are listening to it, what's the prime messaging there? Well, you know, I, I, I felt like there were like two ways where we could take it while we were writing it. I was writing with my friend Chantry Johnson. And um, I mean, the original way was because of like the sarcasm behind it. Like, it's fine. I'm fine. Okay. Even though I don't feel fine. <laughs> like, that was the sarcasm of it. But like, sometimes like if you keep even like, sometimes you can fake yourself out. Like if you're feeling so down and stuff and you keep telling yourself like, you know what? but it's going to be fine. I'm going to be, you know, the, I, I keep, there's, I can look forward to this. And then like the thing that you're looking forward to turns out to be terrible as well. <laughs> and then it's like, well, maybe at the end of this day, this will help me feel better. And, and then it's like, wow, this has just been a, all in all, this has just been a rough day. <laughs> but, but at the sarcasm, being able to look back, I think the, the point of this song is to be able to look from like, over a bird's eye view of everything and being able to just laugh at yourself and laugh at your own misery and just being able to do that makes me feel better because I'm like 
just being able to laugh and like, look how ridiculous I was thinking that world was going to end and that I was going to be just depressed all for the rest of my life and stuff. And just to able to separate and say like, man, that was a rough day. Just being able to smile at it helps me and being like, you know what? Okay. It, it may have been a crummy day, but I'm still alive. And there are little moments that kept me going and that was enough. And there were little glimmers. Like I, I loved just how green the trees were, or I, I saw a funny meme or, um, or how hot it is in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it's little things to keep you going. I, I don't think it's about having a great day every day to enjoy life. Mm. There's something there too. I think the little things add up, but they will add up even better in a silver lining if you are vulnerable and uh, have a sense of humiliation. I think everybody should laugh at themselves. Even mm. when you're sitting at home and you, you, I mean, you live alone. I, I'm currently at home alone right now. And it's like, there's something to be said about that. Even when you're by yourself, you can laugh at yourself. Do you feel a little crazy sometimes for like, I, I, I personally, I talk to myself. I don't know about anybody else on this, but mm. you know, I talk to myself, I laugh at myself. If something is funny and I want to say it, I say it out loud, right? Because why, why else would the term LOL, laugh out loud, exist if you're not actually doing it? I, I, but I do know, David, some people who say LOL instead of laughing, right? So I hope that's not, you know, uh, something that our generation and, and time right now is leaning towards. OMG. No, oh my God, right? Or LOL. Ha ha ha, right? There's those elements that I think we're missing sometimes. But I do want to switch gears here and talk about our generation and the time right. we're living in. You know, there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all things considered in today's time, the generations that are at hand, the ones that are coming up, most folks are overwhelmed with themselves to the extent that some even say, you know, that they don't have any idea what their career is going to look like. They have no idea where to start. And some people, and I'm sure you and I have sat in this boat as well, some people don't even have an idea of what they want to do with their life. And yes. that is a hard place to be sitting at. You've obviously made it quite of the mark in the entertainment music world. Um, but when you're thinking about how one could take something as simple as a hobby, like singing, dancing, crocheting, I think my mom crocheted. Uh, in your opinion, David, where could one begin to make uh, that full-time hobby a full-time job? Well, I don't know if I'm the best one to give advice on that because I like, ever since I was 12, like I knew I liked to sing, but up for the last 17 years, I don't know if I actually want to sing for a living, but I've been doing it. And I'm, I'm always asking myself, I'm like, well, should I be doing something else? <laughs> like, can I really do this for the rest of my life? Like, do I have what it takes? And each year I'm kind of like, man, like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't, man, maybe I should find another job or I don't know how I'm going to make money this year. <laughs> like every year. And it always turns out to work. It always turns out working out. And so I guess, you know, I, but I feel like there are people who tend to find themselves in like a, in a miserable work environment. And I, I think, I think it just depends on how fulfilled you feel um, each, from day to day um, and week to week, month to month, like measuring yourself over time on looking at how fulfilled you feel. And so I guess music has been a very fulfilling thing for me because I feel like 
it accomplishes the, the goals I have. I, my goal isn't just to sing and, and put a smile on people's faces. I, I like to connect with people. You know, the, the reason I like music isn't because I like the attention. Uh, clearly, I, I think I've made that very clear in this interview. I don't like the attention that comes from singing, but I like the ability to connect with people and to give them a message that might up, make their day better, might give them a different perspective on the way they're thinking. And my real, my ultimate goal is to help change people for, for the better. Mm. So I look at that and I, you know, there are a few couple of years right after American Idol, I was miserable doing what I was doing because I didn't have the purpose. I was just trying to make other people happy. I was trying to be cool. I was trying to be hip. I was trying to be edgy because that's what the record label wanted me to do because that's what sold. But I, I realized after a couple of years of trying that out, that that clearly wasn't the same goal as, that I had. And I needed to realign um, my goals. I, I took a break from music and I was a missionary for a couple of years. And I wasn't until then and coming back, separating myself from the music industry that I was able to say, what do I want? Because I was so busy saying, well, I need to give these people what they want because if they're happy, then I'll be content because, you know, I'm no drama. I'm not disappointing anyone. But it wasn't until then that I took a break and had come back and I'm like, well, what do, do I really want to do this? I gave myself the chance to say, do I really want to do music? If I do. And I was like, you know, I think I do. But why? Like, I was so depressed uh, before. Like, I was miserable. Like, I was... Is, and, and I saw that a lot of people around me and my peers were also feeling depressed too. And like trying to turn to other things to try to fill them up because what we were doing and making us successful wasn't filling up, making us feel full. We were empty. And so I realized, I'm like, you know what? I need to connect, reconnect to what I wanted, what I liked about singing in the first place. It wasn't to be cool. It wasn't to be, to be the most famous singer. It was to give people a message. And so I, I turned back to that with writing my songs and stuff. And I was, I guess I took a risk because I'm like, well, this might not be played on the radio like Crush was. And, um, but I was like, you know, it's a risk I'm willing to take. And, and it's worked. I'm, I may not be making money off of radio play, but I make money off of touring. And it's so fulfilling to, you know, I think you just need to take time every now and then every few months, every six months or every year, depending on your style to reevaluate yourself and say, well, what am I trying to accomplish with what I'm doing? Where am I trying to go? If I'm, if I'm just trying to make money, then you know what, that's fine. And then I just enjoy being home and stuff. But it's like, you know what, if you want to choose a career that's going to really like move and shake things, then try to make choices that'll help you get there. Um, starting now. Drive with the why. I think that is something that, you know, Simon Sinek says, a lot of people talk about this, but the why matters in anything that you want to do, especially if you're trying to turn this hobby of yours or your passion, whatever it might be, into a career that's going to pay the bills, that's going to take you around the world, that's going to influence people, introduce you to people. You know, I think that there's something to be said about that. You're exactly right. Sometimes it comes down to why are you doing what you're doing and then reevaluating with yourself on a timely basis. David, what do you think one thing would be that you know now that you wish you knew at the beginning of your career? Something that I wish I knew at the beginning of my career. Uh, probably that, uh, probably just not to second guess myself. 
and to give myself a little more slack that maybe people want people like me more than I, than I believe. And maybe more people are interested in working with me and collaborating with me than I believed because a lot of times I felt so undeserving to be where I was. And so I prevented my prevented to prevented myself from doing a lot of things, going to a lot of events, maybe networking and socializing with a, a lot of people that I could have had a lot of, and a lot of fun collaborating with and working with, but I was too afraid to move forward. Even when they reached out to me and said, Hey, I want to do something. I always assumed that, well, this is, they're just lying. They're just kind of sucking up and schmoozing and just be nice. And I, I wrote it off as that and never moved forward with it. So, um, I would just tell myself to, to be willing to go. And it's okay. You know, don't, even with the fear of being rejected. And I think that was why I was, didn't do a lot of things because I was afraid I was going to be rejected and that it wasn't real. Yeah. And, and it's brought you pretty far that you took the other route and decided to actually do things because, you know, something about breaking down walls and getting past the comfortable zone. Um, is it ultimately catapult you in different ways in your career that you would not have imagined? And it's done you well because to your point about people not liking you, if you didn't do certain things, we love you, David Archuleta. And I am so glad you came onto the Men of the Hour podcast. But before we conclude, your North American tour that was supposed to be in 2020 is now in 2021. Do I have that right? Tell us all about it. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I'll be, uh, I rescheduled my OK All Right tour to 2021 and it'll be this therapy sessions album. So I'm, well, I'm, I'm bummed I couldn't tour on it this year. I, I look forward to it next year and just being able to talk. Like I, I'm hoping to make it kind of like therapy sessions at the shows and talking about what I've learned in therapy and going a little more into depth about the songs. And so I, I'm really looking forward to, to that aspect because I feel like they're, they're fun songs, but they get you to think. And I like that combo. I do too. I think when we show up to your concert, I'm really expecting a good, a good performance followed by a nice intimate conversation with your fans. And I know that's something you'll probably provide a lot of people, uh, you know, and that's going to provide the best experience for everybody, especially after having listened to your album. I think every single song, again, touches people in different ways. We're all going to get the same message, if not in different ways from it. Um, and so I'm excited to see you go on tour, man, at the top of 2021. I think it's going to be so exciting. You know, you'll be going from Boston to Chicago, straight to the Big Apple after having started it in LA. So there's a lot of things going on there with you that I'm sure you're getting ready for. Um, but David, thank you again for stopping by. You are, you're, you're an icon in what you do. You're a badass in what you do. You know, your life story and having shared everything you just did with us is something that I will not ever let you live down because it was certainly a candid conversation. We appreciate you for that. Uh, and, and you certainly are the man of the hour. Uh, this podcast was really lucky to have you on uh, one of our episodes, hopefully to influence young men, impact future generations, and inspire all those listening to create positive change for our world. Thanks again for stopping by, David. Thanks for having me, Justin. Good to chat with you. Justin Crawford here, and I'll be back next week with another great guest on the Men of the Hour podcast. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review right here and anywhere else you'd like to listen. Also, check out our Instagram and YouTube channels when you get a chance and see the full video interviews with our guests at Men of the Hour podcast. Thanks for listening. Now get out there and make a positive change for yourself and those around you.